Hello, everyone, and welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green, and it is time for the quarterfinals. Only eight teams remain from the 32-team field. We have eight teams from eight different countries battling in the quarterfinals for a right to go to the BCL Final Four in May. The quarterfinal action should be amazing, and here to preview all of the matchups with me is David Hein over in Germany. Dave, how's it going? this week almost over the wait is almost over fantastic can't wait yeah we have four great matchups from around the bcl all of these games will be happening wednesday march 27th and the return leg on wednesday april 3rd it's two leg aggregate scoring so essentially an 80 minute game whichever team has the most points at the end of the 80 minutes will advance to the final four Helping us break down all of these matchups today, we've got some special guests. We have Jeff Taylor, play-by-play commentator for the BCL, who has seen a ton of international basketball over the years, and he's been keeping a close eye on the BCL this season, so we were happy to have him join us. Also, later in the program, we've got Deacon Lloyd-Smith and Igor Jerkovic, the two great writers from ChampionsLeague.Basketball, who have been putting out very good articles all season long to analyze the BCL. Igor, of course, does the power rankings and the live blog in addition to some other things. Deacon does the Closer Look series, uh, breaking down some of the details of the Champions League. So we're really excited to have all three of those guys coming up on the podcast later. Just want to remind you guys to check out the official website, championsleague.basketball, for all the stats, news, highlights, and analysis that you need to get you ready for the quarterfinals. And of course, download the official Champions League app if you have not done that yet. And make sure you subscribe to live basketball.tv to watch all of these games live or on demand. Also, the Champions League YouTube page will have these games in full after they have been played. So go check that out. Let's jump in first with our conversation with Jeff Taylor. One of those players that can heat up. Look at him. Look at him. Rice. A little floater. Mid-range. Now Rice pulls up on the break. Oh boy, silky smooth. This is back to Rice. Good! Stepped into the three-pointer. All right, our first guest on the BCL quarterfinal preview show is one of the voices of international basketball. If you've been following the Basketball Champions League, you will definitely recognize him. Play-by-play commentator extraordinaire Jeff Taylor. Jeff, how's it going this week? Well, it couldn't be any better. We've had a little break here uh, just to recharge the batteries. And uh, obviously, you know, we had a World Cup draw that everybody was interested in, the FIBA Basketball World Cup that's going to be tipping off at the end of August. Uh, so a lot of uh, a lot of talk about that. That was very exciting. All the groups, all eight groups, and a lot of those players that, you know, we've been watching in the Basketball Champions League, uh, some of those will be making the trip, I think, to China. But yeah, so we get back into the Basketball Champions League next week, and um, it's the business end of the tournament, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, we have some incredible matchups. We're going to talk about those with Jeff. Uh, the first question I have for you, Jeff, is a, is a pretty tough one. So you've been around the BCL since the beginning. This is the third season now. We've had two champions, 
Tenerife in 2017, Ike Athens in 2018. And both of those teams have really tough matchups coming up in the quarterfinals with Tenerife facing Hapoel Jerusalem and Ike facing Broza Bomberg. So the first question I have for you is which of the two champions do you think is most likely to return to the final four this year? That's a great question. And I'd probably say Ike, uh, if only because I believe if they're playing at their best, the, they arguably have the best team in the competition. Um, I know they've got injury issues uh, at the point guard spot, and that's not good. Uh, but if Jordan Theodore is is healthy uh, and, you know, they, they come out and they play as well as Ike can, especially on their home court, I think they should beat Brosa Bamberg. And, and then – you know, it's it's once again the likelihood is um, ultimately they would end up facing Hopewell, whether it was you know whatever stage it would be in, and uh, I think they would they would beat them. Um, I just that's that's my opinion. I mean, I think I don't I don't think Aberystwyth Tenerife is quite as good as they have been in the past, although they really did show us something, didn't they, in their in their last round coming from behind uh, after that first leg to come out and get a big win. So. Maybe I'm being too dismissive of the Beer Star Tenerife, but I still think that Ike are kind of like, you know, this team of the moment and uh, they can carry that momentum. Yeah, that uh, uh, showing by Tenerife in the return leg was was pretty phenomenal. Um, and maybe this would be the answer to that. Um, which team or teams are you most surprised to see in the quarterfinals, whether that's their performance in the regular season or you want to say first leg of the quarterfinals, whatnot, uh, of the uh, of the round of 16, uh, which team would you say is the most surprised for you? Okay, so I'm going to say uh, all three of them. <laughs> um, Antwerp, I saw them on the wrong end, <laughs> some bad results. I never would have thought they would have gotten this far, um, in, including, including in, you know, playing in Belgium against Ostend and getting whipped uh, to see them kind of rise from the dead. Uh you know, like a phoenix from the ashes has been pretty impressive. And and maybe uh, they've just peaked at the right time. Nizhny, Novgorod, well, you know what? At times during the regular season, I thought, wow, how can this team not have a better record? Because they always looked really good, and then they would have a really bad result. Um, you know, uh, so I, I, I'm surprised that they're there. And, and even Nanterre, you know, I, I just thought, you know, I'm just not really that impressed by Nanterre. But uh, they're in that first the first leg of their round of 16. Uh, they, they were just so focused. It was unbelievable against Besiktas, admittedly against a Besiktas team uh, that, that really didn't have Jason Rich at his best. Uh, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. You know, they got Besiktas at the right time. And uh, this is a this is a Nanterre team that quite frankly, has, has raised his game. So really all three of these teams have peaked at the right time. And I'd probably have to say Antwerp would be the one that I would not, if I had to choose one of the three uh, that, that would have made it uh, to this stage of the competition. Yeah, and it's it's funny how it worked out where either Antwerp or Nizhny, one of those teams, will be going to the final four. So it seems like you know there's always there's always one surprise team, and it looks like we'll have at least one coming out of that matchup. So the next question: Do you think there's an advantage for these teams uh, who play either the first or the second leg at home? So with with the two leg aggregate series, uh, so we've got. 
The first teams to play at home will be Nizhny hosting Antwerp, Jerusalem hosting Tenerife, Bamberg hosting Ike, and Nanterre hosting Bologna. And then, of course, on the reverse fixture, those four teams will be on the road. Uh, so do you think there's an advantage one way or another? I personally do, although if you you know if you look at Abir Star Tenerife, obviously they were able to overcome a, a big first quarter deficit or a double digit deficit. I think it what was it? It was twelve points they lost the first leg by? Yes, twelve uh, points. So um I mean I think I think the proof is in the pudding. If you go back and you look back at some of the results in the history, including with these teams, uh Nizhny um had that terrific uh performance at home winning by what 20 plus points uh, against uh, Umanarai Venezia um Nanterre as I already mentioned they just came out supremely focused and and even though uh it wasn't a huge win uh it was a win nonetheless and I just felt like you know that really helped them you know I, I'll never forget in years past Aris taking on from Greece uh hosting Strasbourg and winning that game by I don't know, it was 12 to 15 points, that first leg. And it kind of really, it was what they needed. They needed that lift. They needed that home court advantage. They needed, you know, this was their moment. They knew it. And as we remember how Umanarai Venezia went to Nizhny, that was not Umanarai Venezia. I mean, I'm sorry. They just were not ready. And, and really, uh, they were just completely out of sync for whatever reason. They hit the road. Uh, they just weren't ready to play, and and I think it's if the home team can can use that to its advantage, which you know I think they can, and they're fully focused, concentrated. The coach does a great job. Uh, they might be able to catch that other team napping a little bit. So may, maybe not so much in the quarterfinals as much as the round of sixteen. Um, but but one thing is for sure, these teams have to make use of the home court advantage. Uh, you know you need to win. You know, you can't lose. If you lose at home, you, your life is going to be so difficult in that next leg, in my opinion. So all of these teams have to be looking at it like we've got to get a win uh, and, and preferably by several points. And that includes Hapoel Jerusalem, because we know that Iberostar Tenerife, they can turn it up a notch at home and those Spanish crowds can be pretty rowdy. Uh, speaking of, of the Halpo Jerusalem game, you know, obviously one of their stars is Tamir Blatt last week on the interview with James Feldine. Uh, he, he himself was surprised with just how young, yeah. uh, Tamir Blatt is, um, Tamir Blatt, uh, is, is one of the leading candidates for the, uh, best young player award, uh, for the BCL, um, uh, we kind of uh, put a, a piece together, uh, Deacon, uh, Igor, and myself, looking at the top contenders, uh, those guys being Tamir Blatt, um, Samus Hazar, Lucas Amanich, uh, Gustas Masulius, uh, Emmanuel Cate, and Antonios Cagnaris. Uh, you've had a chance to watch um, some of these guys, some more than others. Um, just maybe what your thoughts are on maybe who do you think might win the award and, and, and why? And also, what do you think about the league, you know, really trying to push younger players um, and maybe your thoughts about, you know, the, the young players in general in this league? Well, let me start with the, the second and third part of that first. I mean, a, um, you know, the, the young players, it's great. The basketball champions league promotes them. Uh, it's clear uh, these teams, uh, they've got an opportunity to play. They're getting the big experience. Um, and, and 
most of them are are making the most of it. So it's it would be ridiculous to suggest that Tamir Blatt uh, would be at the level that he's at right now had he not played in the Basketball Champions League. Uh, in addition to getting those chances with Israel, both at the under-20s and then playing with the Israel senior team, you know, it's it's a higher-level competition that he's been able to come out and play. Uh, he's played alongside very good players, and you could argue that, they, that they're, they've been winning uh, you know, and he's excelled just because mm-hmm. he's around better players. But I don't necessarily buy that. I think because he's playing with better players in practice every day, uh, he's, you know, a teammate of James Feldine. He's a teammate of Amari Stoudemire, of Toshan uh, Thomas, of uh, all of these guys. Uh, and he has a great coach in Katash. You know, I think he's, I think he's blossomed. So, yeah, so for Blatt... For, out of all of these guys, um, and in this season with the evidence, is clearly, for me, the elite young player in the Basketball Champions League. I like all of them. I mean, I like all of the guys that have been nominated. Uh, I've always liked Konyaris. Uh, I think he's a terrific player. Shamanich or Slamanovic, is that how, um, <laughs> Igor. how Igor called him? I, I don't think I've said that right, but anyway... Um, <laughs> Dynamic. I mean, if you had to pick a player uh, to be at the highest level, he might be the player that I would go with because you just feel like he's just skimming the surface of his potential. Um, but for me, Tamir Blatt is already the real deal, and he shows it on a weekly basis. If you have ha- Seamus Hazish, I mean, he- here's a guy. And it's interesting, isn't it? It's Seamus Hazish. It's not Hazer. <laughs> it's Seamus Hazish. Um I was disappointed he didn't get to play a little bit more in the round of 16. Uh, but he's got, to me, he's got that great length. And I love his attitude. And I just think he's just one of these next great young Turkish players that's coming up, you know, out of the mold of Jetty Osman. And I'm really excited to watch him develop. And I thought he played great last year. Kache, for me, is the guy that, uh, with Ukan Murthia, he doesn't try to do the spectacular things. But he does, like, the basic things that you need to do so well to be successful and he just looks like he means business doesn't he i mean he's going to come out and he's going to do what he's supposed to do he just looks very intelligent and and i love him and with uh gitas machulis i think he's um i think he's i think he's a guy who has a lot of ability and if he can put it all together he's going to be special as well you know length i'm not exactly sure what type of player he wants to be i mean he's Clearly, obviously, his dad played for Lithuania's national team. He was, I think he was in that team, that famous team that played in the 2000 Olympics against the USA in the semifinals um, when Lithuania almost upset the USA. And, and we watched uh, Gidas play at the under-19s in Egypt. And he's a scorer. And, uh, you know, he can shoot it from deep. He can drive. Maybe he needs to put a little bulk on his body. But, you know, here's a kid that oozes with potential. Um, I think he's going to get a lot better. I really do. I, I look forward to that happening. And with Tamir Blatt, I think he's going to get better. And let me tell you really quickly a story about Tamir. I, I'll never forget uh, being at Eurobasket 2011, and you were there, Dave, as well. And we were in, by this point, already uh, in Kaunas, kind of in the knockout stages. And Dave Blatt was coaching the Russian national team. And uh, I'll never forget, I kind of came out there, and it was a, it was a Russia practice. You know, most coaches you wouldn't want to go near during a practice. There's only so many. But Dave, Dave Blast just kind of sitting back. He's like, hey, what's happening? Come on over here. Sit down next to me. 
check this out. How are you doing? What's, you know, David Blatt was like the most personable coach you could ever want to meet and probably still is. Look at this. What do you think about this? This is my son. And he was already, and this is, um, what, eight years ago. This is my kid. He's pretty good, isn't he? And he was already bragging about him. This is eight years ago. I was like, so what do you think about him? Is he going to go to college? Is he, you know, what's his potential? And he was talking about how they'd already looked at how big he's going to be. And potentially he didn't know if he was going to follow in his footsteps. Obviously, David Black played at Princeton. Would he go to play college basketball? Would he stay? Um, so already at that point, you know, he was showing so much as a youngster. And, uh, and his dad was, I think he was concerned about his size or whatever. And he's just like laid that concern to rest. He's already proved in my opinion. I mean, he's going to play at the highest level in Europe. It's only a matter of when, not if, and this basketball champions league for him has been fantastic. So, um, I think there's one question in there. You asked me and I haven't answered. Do you remember what it was? I think that's it. I think you had them all. I mean, you said, you said that felt, you said that, uh, Platt will probably win it. And, and it's funny because Feldeen said last week, you know, uh, we, I hope we can keep him that no, that, you know, nobody, nobody steals him from us. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and while on the subject of Feldeen, what a great story. I mean, and you talked about this Austin in, in last week's podcast, how he's kind of risen from nothing. And I'll never forget seeing him play in Spain for Flain Labrada. And again, one of these really likable guys, just very honest and open and friendly. Uh, I spoke to him after a Valencia game and, you know, and at that point he wasn't even really a huge part of the, from what I remember the Dominican Republic team, but man, did he play well at the, uh, at the world cup. He called on the world games. Somebody needs to talk to James. It's the FIBA basketball world cup, James, but he played in Bilbao and he was fantastic. Uh, and his career just has gone from strength to strength ever since. Um, but with Blatt, yeah, he's going to get – I think he will get better and he will continue. And um, I think he'll play at the highest level in Europe for many years. And I think it would be awfully difficult for him to uh, follow in his dad's footsteps as, as being a great coach. But who knows, one day, just because I think David Blatt's a great coach. Uh, it would be, it would be a, a tough act to follow for anybody, but – a lot of excitement around all these young guys. And, um, yeah, the Basketball Champions League has really been the stage for this. And, you know, it's something that even the guys uh, that you that you mentioned down at the bottom, when you think about it, Alessandro Paiola from Virtus, what a great season he's had. I mean, he's 19, and I'd love to give uh, Paiola a paella. But anyway, Paiola was, uh, you know, I, I feel kind of bad for him because he's kind of lost some of his playing time uh, with the arrival of Mario Chalmers at Virtus, uh, because I thought Paiola, you know, overall did really well. I was really impressed with Luis uh, Olendi from Bursa Bamberg in the round of 16. I thought he was really, um, there was a lot. Rudvan Onchai, now he's 23, isn't he? Or is he 21? 23? I, he's a great player for Bandit. And uh, Ragi Batar, obviously, is a lot younger. He's 19. Panza surprised me how good he was for in that round of 16 opener at home against Besiktas. Um, and Kubica, you know, for me, there's a lot of hype around him. And, uh, you know, for me, I want to see him justify that hype a little bit more than he is. You know, I'm hoping that he's going to take that next step and maybe get in the right situation. But hopefully, hopefully we'll see better things from him. And Yalo, obviously, is a huge, a huge talent. Uh, that we saw with MHP Reese in Lewisburg. So 
and Blas Mesicek as well. I mean, he had some great games for Petro Olympia. So, yeah, just overall, a lot of really good young players. Yeah, for sure. And I, I agree with you completely. I think it's got to be Temir Blatt winning the Best Young Player Award this year. Uh, just a, a couple numbers on what he's done this season. 10.9 points per game, 7.2 assists per game, shooting 40% from three. Uh, for a 21 year old point guard in, in this league, that's, that's just incredible. Uh, but so much, so much young talent around the league, like you mentioned. You know what the most important stat is for Blatt? Look at look at the number of wins that he's a part of. That that is how you that is how you justify. Somebody can average this amount, they can shoot this amount, but are their teams winning? And is he on the court uh, a lot of minutes for this team that wins? And the answer is yes, he is. Are they a better team when he's on the court? Are they plus or minus? So you know, for me, it's all about the wins. And you look at these guys um, and. That's where, for me, obviously, he really stands out because he's in the quarterfinals. Is he on a better team? Well, you could argue that maybe he wouldn't have won as many games if he hadn't been surrounded by these great players. But on the other hand, would they have won as many games without him? I, I don't think so. I think he's that important to uh, to Hopewell. I mean, look, he's he has a 2.95 assist to turnover ratio, which is fantastic. You know, he's on the, on the court 25 minutes a game, you know, having a three – Almost a three assist turnover ratio is fantastic for any guard, and he's and he's that age, so fantastic. Yeah, well, I know Kobe Bryant was asked about who the best players are and how do they become like the best, and he, and he goes, you know what, the best players for me are Bill Russell because Bill Russell won. So forget forget all the stats, all the glamorous, you know, this guy's passed this guy on the all time score, or whatever. How many championships did they win? So that's that is that for me. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. All right, Jeff, we're gonna we're gonna ask you to put your cards on the table here and make some predictions. So going through each of these matchups, uh, we're we're gonna try to get your your final four teams. So for Jerusalem versus Tenerife, we'll start there since we were just talking about Tamir Blatt. Uh, who do you think comes out on top in that series? I like Hopewell Jerusalem in that one. All right. Next up, Nanterre versus Bologna. In my opinion, I, I, I think this is maybe one of the more uh, lopsided ones just in terms of pure talent. You look at that Bologna roster and they're loaded. Uh, Nanterre, maybe a, a little bit less so, but uh, that, that certainly doesn't mean that they can't pull off the victory. Uh, who do you like in that one? Uh, as, as much as I like Nanterre and what they've been able to accomplish and as much as I love Julian Gamble and, and all other guys – I'm with you. I think Virtus, I think the the level of talent and, uh, you know, the coaching change, I think is going to help them get over the hump and get to the final four. All right. Next, Nizhny versus Antwerp. We have a great point guard battle. Kendrick Perry versus Paris Lee. That's going to be amazing. Uh, who do you think will come out on top in that one? Well, I, I suspect, uh, to me, um, I watched both of Nizhny's games, uh, and in fact, I commented on both of their games. And, and even though they showed some weaknesses uh, there in that second leg, they, they did just enough to what they to do to, to win. Um, Antwerp team of the moment, as we said, maybe they could get all the way to the final four. Uh, I'm going to go with Nizhny. All right. And the last one, Bomberg versus Ike. We already talked about this one a little bit. I, I assume you're going with Ike here. Yeah, I, I think, uh, obviously, uh, we all know what, what makes Bamberg go, but I think they were really fortunate to, to escape against Bamvit, and I just think that Ike are going to turn it up a notch 
and especially when they're at home. But again, I think this would be a close one. You know, Jeff, with this one, though, what if Theodore doesn't play? Uh, I think uh, Luca Bonke is going to come up with a plan uh, to where, you know, they've got good quality point guards in that, in that Ike team. Um, so I don't think they necessarily have to rely on him for points and, you know, they've got good size and they've got good all round, all round players. Um, and in some respects, I think that's the strength of Ike. I think it's some of their guys that, that don't get the column inches, you know, it's the Malcolm Griffins, uh, that really kind of get them over the hump. So, you know, don't don't think uh, you know. Don't forget that uh, Theodore joined them basically midseason, didn't he? So, I like I like the makeup, the overall makeup of the Ike team, um, and yeah. So so we'll see how we'll see how it unfolds. All right. So that's Jeff Taylor going with Jerusalem, Bologna, Nizhny, and Ike for the final four. Jeff, we look forward to listening to you on the call next week as the quarterfinals tip off. And thanks for giving us some of your time this week. Okay. Wonderful, guys. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks again to Jeff Taylor for joining us on this week's podcast. Coming up now, we've got two of the writers from the official website. They've been doing some great work all season long. We're really excited to talk to both of them to preview the quarterfinals. We've got Deacon Lloyd-Smith, who's over in London. Deacon, how's it going? Very good, Austin. It's great to, great to be on. Thanks for inviting me back. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for joining the podcast again. And in a park in Split, Croatia, is Igor Djurkovic. Igor, how's uh, everything going in Split? Uh, it's like a dream come true, really, <laughs> because of with all the weather and everything that's going on. And, of course, because of this podcast, because um, the three of you are all native uh, American and English-speaking guys. So the crowd listening to this will immediately know, oh, that's that Balkan accent of Igor Churkovic. Yes, that's him. That's, I recognize the voice straight away. So I'm in an, in an advantage compared to you guys. Yes, the listeners will know exactly who to direct their hate comments to on Twitter. That's at Igor Djurkovic and Deacon is at DLS Coaching. And still on the podcast with us is Dave Hine over in Germany. Dave, I assume you're still doing well. I'm still enjoying the weather here. And uh, yeah, can't wait to, to hear what these guys think about the quarterfinals. All right. Well, let's jump right into it. We've got four great matchups in the quarterfinals. The one I wanted to start with, I think this one is the most interesting. Hapoel Jerusalem going up against Iberostar Tenerife. Two incredible offenses, uh, a team, you know, two teams that have been doing very well all season long, look like championship contenders all season. Uh, This could easily be a final four matchup. We're lucky enough to get it in the quarterfinals. Igor, I'll throw this one to you first. Do you see either of these teams having a clear edge over the other one? And uh, what what do you think are going to be some of the keys to victory for both teams in this series? I'm going to say that I do see a clear edge and that I think that Hopwell Jerusalem are the favorites to win this one, uh, just in terms of their recent form, because they've been on excellent form all season long, rarely made a slip-up, and in fact, they won the nine of the last 10 games at home, I think at this point, maybe even more. And the only loss that they suffered was against Maccabi Tel Aviv, which was a close game too. And at the same time, Tenerife are going through a rough patch. It's their worst kind of run of games and defeats since 2015. 
So just an idea that shows you that Tenerife were uh, above par team for more than four years and that losing four games in five really is such a weird occurrence for them and they need to find a way out of it and if they repeat some sort of performance like they had against Prometheus uh, when they lost by 12 in the first game I don't think there's coming back from that against uh, Jerusalem yeah, Deacon, we'll go to you next. Uh, I know you've been a, a big fan of Coach Tuz Vidoretta and, and what they've been able to do at Tenerife. How do you see this matchup um, in terms of Tenerife's offense, their great passing? Do you think Jerusalem will be able to slow them down? And uh, like Igor, do you think Jerusalem have a clear edge or or how do you see this one? Uh, well, I mean, I'm a big fan of Coach Katash too, but... Um, uh, I, I don't see a clear advantage actually. I, I can't I can't pick it. The, the difference between the two, if you, you're looking at number one and number two for, for off, you know offensive rating in the competition, and it's close. Um, if you if you look at the two teams, um, it's normally like it's normally cliche to say if you stop Tenerife shooting the ball well, then then you win. But this this game is one that looks like it might come down to three point shooting because Tenerife are. And obviously, they they take more, they take as many threes as anyone left in the competition, including Nanterre and Jerusalem. Allow their opponents to take more three point shots than anybody else in the competition, but at the lowest percentage. So, the kind of, how how Tenerife shoot the ball, which they they shot atrociously in in Patras, and then shot really really well in in Tenerife. So how that pans out over the two games might be the difference again. And as Igor said, they can't afford to shoot that badly in one of the legs. If, you know, it's one thing to come back from 12 against against Prometheus, but you, you won't do that against this Jerusalem defense. But And the other thing is that both teams are really, really good at rebounding. They're both very good rebounding teams. So it's going to be a curious one to see how it pans out. I, I, can't, I can't tell you which one's a favorite, though. All right, Dave, I have a feeling I know which way you're leaning on this one. We've, we've talked a little bit, uh, this season about Tenerife and, and Colton Iverson, some of their big guys struggling a little bit against more athletic bigs. Now they're going up against maybe the most athletic front line in the Champions League with Josh Owens, your guy to Sean Thomas. Uh, how do you see this series shaken out? You, you know, actually to go back to one of the things that Deacon said, uh, you know, I was trying to find, um, you know, we all know that, that, that Tenerife shoot the ball really well, but I was trying to find out, you know, why the, you know, why Tenerife lost the games they did. And, and in, in of the 13 games that they won, only three teams shot 33% better, uh, 33% or better on threes. Um, and in the three losses, uh, they were against Pauk and they shot 48%. Venezia right. 47% and Prometheus shot 42%. So as much as we always talk about how well or how, 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 how well or not the Tenerife actually shoot from threes, their winning or not, at least in the BCL has come down to whether or not they can stop the other team's three pointers. Um, and, and so I think that's going to be one of the, the things to watch just as a note. Um, uh, Tenerife, uh, actually Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem is fourth, uh, fourth best in three point shooting at 37.3%. So that's going to be an important factor. And also, I think, like you just mentioned, and, and the thing that I've talked about a lot is, is the question about the athleticism at the bigs. You know, uh, Owens, Stoudemire, Thomas, you know, size 
Uh, we talked also about, you know, not playing in the first leg really at all and Yang really not playing as much either. And obviously size came out and had a great game in, in the return leg. And he's definitely going to be needed that athleticism to slow some of those, some of, some of those athletic, uh, bigs that Jerusalem have. Um, and I think that'll have a big factor in the game. I think also to just to jump in there too is is the other end of the size factor is, is on the wing. Tenerife always have an advantage in the size factor. You know, everybody's six foot eight. Everybody's versatile. Everybody can shoot it, put it on the floor. And it, you know, whereas they may not have the bigs to match up with Jerusalem, is do Jerusalem have the wing, the wing size to match up with it? And maybe for James Feldin, that's quite a difficult matchup because he's going to see a lot of different people guarding him. Yeah, that's interesting. Igor, any any final thoughts on this series here? Yeah, I'm still not sold on <laughs> Tenerife making this a contest in regards to their latest form. So I'm still going with Jerusalem and this one because of everything they've shown all season long and the amount of power they have in the front line. And it's going to be a bit of a stretch for anybody uh, to try and use the advantage against Jerusalem at the wings because even if you do go by Feldin or if you do go by Blatt or anybody else, you still have to finish at the rim and Jerusalem have some elite athletic guys to do the stopping at the rim. So I'm still giving Jerusalem the advantage in this one. All right. And one final point I'll make is that both of those teams, Jerusalem and Tenerife, have incredible home crowds. Uh, so if, if one of those teams struggles at home, they're, you know, they're going to be going into a very tough situation in the other leg of that series. And of course, the travel in that series is going to be crazy for both teams going from, uh, from Jerusalem there in the Middle East all the way over to Tenerife off the coast of West Africa. So that's going to be a huge trip for both teams. I don't think either of them really have an advantage there, but just something to keep in mind. Moving on to the next series, Nanterre, perhaps a surprise team in the quarterfinals. They beat Besiktas, who, of course, were a little bit injured without Robin Benzing and Jason Rich. But credit to Nanterre making it to the quarterfinals. They'll be going up against Virtus Bologna, who started the season 7-0 and and then slowed down a little bit. They've made a coaching change recently. Uh, Deacon, since you're our coaching expert, I'll throw it to you first on this one. Uh, what do you think about Bologna's decision to make the coaching change and, and what impact might that make on this Nanterre series? I can't really speak to the decision because you, you don't know what's going on in a club. It, it's never nice to see a coach lose their job mid-season. And it, they often don't work, mid-season coaching changes, but it's hard to argue with this one when you look at the results that Bologna have had since uh, Djordjevic took over. And if you look at the the caliber of coach that, that Sasha Djordjevic is, it's you know it's difficult to argue against him having the job and the how well he's going to do there. So it's and it's exciting to see him coach in the BCL. Yeah, and looking at this matchup, I think um, you know maybe on paper this is one of the more lopsided of the four matchups. Uh, do you see it being that way? Do you think Nanterre have much of a chance in this one, or Bologna maybe just too much talent overall? Um, Nanterre, the 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 classic underdog team. You know, last last year they caused an upset in the playoffs and they basically done it again this year too so you can never write Nanterre off um Igor's tried before several times <laughs> and it, it never works out too well for him so I, I don't see it being lopsided at all um I'm gonna sound like a broken record banging on about uh three-point shooting but again we know that Nanterre really like to shoot the ball 
and then Bologna is the team that allows the uh, the least three point attempts in the entire BCL. Not just playoff teams. No team allowed fewer attempts from the three point line than than Bologna all season. Um, and I, I would imagine that adding more perimeter defensive abilities, you know, adding another guard to that rotation in Mario Chalmers won't change that either. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see uh, how Chalmers, Tony Taylor, and those guys go about trying to slow down Jeremy Singlin, who, of course, was a big catalyst for Nanterre in the round of 16 matchup. Uh, Dave, we'll, we'll go to you next. I thought you made a great point on last week's podcast about uh, Bologna bringing in Djordjevic and what that did to their offense, adding a little bit more ball movement, it seemed like, maybe a little bit different distribution of shots. Um, how do you how do you see this matchup shaking out now that uh, Bologna have Djordjevic there? You know, it was something that I definitely wanted to look at um, over the weekend and see what they did in their win over Torino and, and the breakdown Taylor, nine shots. Martin, 11 shots. Kevin Punter, interesting, only four shots in 18 minutes. Marrera, eight. Uh, Mbai, 12. Aradori, 12. It was like almost like, oh my God, I only had like four, four or five shots in a game. I, you know, better make sure I take my shots. That's, you know, go back and, uh, you know, wait and see what happens, um, this weekend in, in the, in the Serie A, a little bit of the shot distribution and, uh, and see maybe how it compares to the other two games. As I think Djordjevic, you know, is trying to find out who, you know, what, what, you know, how he wants the ball to move and who he wants to have, uh, takes the shots. The most, the most, you know, the sting that stands out most to me, was Kevin Punter just uh, four shots in the eight, 18 minutes? So I'll just have to see uh, what uh, what that looks like maybe this weekend, and and you know really take a look at the shot distribution in that game. The the thing with it that will be interesting to watch with Kevin Punter as well is that he was um, a six man for Ike in the in their BCL Championship run last year. So he was coming off the bench and um, Coach Dakota was using him sparingly, but then when he did come in. He was a, a green light to shoot at any time. So it'd be interesting to see how Djordjevic balances that out when he, with such a stacked roster now on the wing. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. Igor, uh, we'll throw it over to you. What What do you think are kind of the most important things to look at in this matchup? And, uh, you know, similar question to what I what I said to Deacon. Do you think this Bologna team just has too much talent? Are you riding off Nanterre yet again? Or do you give them a, a good chance in this? <laughs> I'm, I'm becoming known as the guy who, who has written off Nanterre so many times. So I'm not writing, writing them off right now. It's going to be a battle of guards, I believe, because with Sanglin playing for Nanterre out of his mind, he had like 16 points against Besiktas in the first half which in a low scoring affair like that one it felt like he scored 50 points like he was doing it all by himself and he's the main reason why they got through and now he'll face elite guards in Bologna and I believe that um, the coaching change for Bologna was a perfect thing for them much needed because when you have Djordjevic available you it's it's really not that difficult of a decision he's a great coach one of the best in europe uh, certainly the best one available and you do whatever you can to get him into your club and having the coaching chain just made bologna uh one of the favorites to win the bcl and not only that but if they if they manage to put on some kind of a run in the Italian championship and get home court advantage, then 
it's going to be trouble in Italy. They could go all the way. Which is ironic because Djurjevic is a former Fortitudo guy. He's not supposed to be Virtus anymore. <laughs> like right, He should be right. the, the least Virtus guy available. But I guess those kind of rivalry, rivalries and the basket cities, everything just belongs to the past, I guess. Although Fortitudo are first in the second Italian division, so we might get <laughs> Virtus against Fortitudo and Djurjevic going up against his former club next season. I do think that's a, a good point about the difference that a coach like Djordjevic can make. Is you know it's going to be tough to see. You know it's interesting to to hear Dave look at the patterns of shot shot uh, distribution, but the instant change you can see is the confidence level in the squad from having a coach like that come in. You know if the players know wow we have Sasha Djordjevic, they, they it's going to the confidence level in 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 the club is going to go up a, a, a notch. He didn't need to do anything special. He just needed to show up and the players just, they react instantly to seeing such a great figure at the bench. And his basic basketball knowledge is way above anybody else's. So once he gets into his own coaching rhythm, we'll see more of the changes. But right now, all he needed to do is just show up and let them play and let them do their work and let them do whatever they know how to do on the court and they've proved, proved, already proved that all over Europe. So just the coaching change in general to Djordjevic was an excellent move. Give him time and it will become even better. Interestingly though enough, Nantes might be the best or worst team for facing that too because they're so accustomed to being underdogs and and not being phased by a, a team that's full of confidence. You know, they, they, they're going to play the way they play and they're going to be confident with what they're doing as well. And, you know, I, I don't know if Waters is back, but if if Waters is back, that is still a really dangerous backcourt to, he, to he, play against. He won't be back. He won't. Okay. Which is a is going to be very difficult for England on his own. Yeah, that's a lot to take on for one guy uh, in the backcourt. And if, and not it's not only Singland, of course. They have uh, Adesus Kevichis has had a very good season, especially shooting the ball from three-point range. So he's not on his own, but that is a, that is a tall task. He'll, he'll have a lot of responsibility going up against Taylor, Chalmers, Punter, this, this incredible Bologna backcourt. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, one final point for me on this series is we mentioned it last week with Djordjevic being the Serbian national team coach, and it was a Serbian big guy. Dejan Kravic, who stepped up for Bologna at the beginning of that uh, game against Le Mans in the second leg and really set the tone with his interior scoring. It seems like bringing Djordjevic in has, has given Kravic especially a little bit of a confidence boost, maybe a little more of a green light to shoot the ball. So that uh, that matchup with Julian Gamble with Treadwell on the interior is going to be interesting to watch. Um, anybody have any other points on this matchup before we move on? Uh, yes. I, I have a point of uh, how Konate going up against uh, Amat Mbaye. That's the one to watch if you like team first players, if you like the guys whose uh, general contribution isn't seen in the basic stats, then keep an eye on those two fighting against each other because it could go down to being a battle of uh, who makes it to the French national team. It's a good point. And you also... As far as looking at home court advantage or not, Bologna are six and one at home. The only loss they had uh, was the one point loss to Besiktas, where they had the chance at the at the buzzer to win, and Nanterre four and three uh, at home. So there's um, they did win in the in the in the round of sixteen, but 
definitely, it seems like a, a clear home at court advantage for for Bologna. Yeah, that raucous crowd there in Bologna, they will surely be out in full force. I'm actually really excited. I will be in Bologna for the second leg of the quarterfinals, so I can't wait to see that environment in person. That should be amazing. Let's move on to Antwerp versus Nizhny. Uh, Dave, I'll throw it to you first on this one. So I think what jumps out to everyone immediately is the great point guard battle here between Paris Lee from Antwerp, Kendrick Perry from Nizhny. But of course, those aren't going to be the only guys who decide this series. Uh, what are some other important matchups that you're looking at that, that might sway this one one way or the other? If if you look at uh, the last five games, uh, something has changed with uh, Vladimir Dragosevich. Um, 18, 18 points a game. He's taken almost 11 shots um, and and hit 65% of that. The previous five games was under seven points and, and not even four shots a game. Uh, so something has cl- clearly happened uh, over the last five games, decided to, to you know, go a lot more through him um also you know we we talked about it before with ian homer coming in he's averaging uh three assists a game over the last three he's been a great uh scoring uh um really helper uh which is something that i always thought this team needed was a third guy to really help score he's at 14 points a game plus seven rebounds um uh ivan strepkov has just had five points in the last two games uh, did have double figures in the previous ten games, so that might be somebody to watch coming, uh, coming off um, uh, really kind of a kind of a subpar offensive uh, round of sixteen. Victor Sanders just uh, under three points a game in the last five, um, and really just not shooting the ball really well at all. And uh, one other guy is uh, is a guy that pretty much everybody has enjoyed watching, Ismail Bako. Uh, in the last eight games, at four, 14 points a game, 70%. And the, ten, and the eight games before that was at 10 points and 48%. Uh, so it was uh, after the game day nine, so just before the, the Christmas break, uh, a clear uh, increase in production and efficiency, 70% field goal percentage uh, to 48 in the first eight games. So th- those are some of the guys that uh you know t- tr- trending up or or down whichever way you want to look at it yeah i think bako is going to be a, a big key in this series and seeing how nizhny are able to contain him around the rim uh one thing i put on twitter was that great video of jay sean tate doing the 360 layup attempt uh in the fourth quarter of that morcia game that that ended up rimming out but of course it was bako there to slam that home uh he's been a huge factor around the rim all season deacon we'll throw it to you next on this one why don't you just kind of take this anywhere you want uh do you see either of these teams having a clear advantage or what are some interesting matchups just what jumps out to you from this series uh the thing that jumps out to me when i was looking at it is for the entire season uh nizhny have not been a great defensive team in terms of you know stats but then since the since the last few rounds and of the regular season and the playoffs they're now a top five defensive rating team and that holds true with what we saw against venezia you know the, the the way they play defense the kind of aggression that we saw in um in Russia in the first leg, Venezia really couldn't handle that. So, um, for a young team like Antwerp, 
that's going to be a real experience for them traveling to Russia and playing against that kind of um, that kind of defense, which isn't really what we've associated with Nizhny. You know, we've we've I've I've seen a lot of uh, Coach Lukic and the, the 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 plays he's drawing from after timeouts and how much fun he is to watch in timeouts, but. Actually, they're, they're, they're as a defensive force, and how um, how Antwerp will handle that. Yeah, and Igor, why don't you jump in here? Uh, do you see either of these teams as having a clear advantage in this matchup? Uh, no. Uh, even though I'm a huge fan of Antwerp and everything they've done this season, uh, think that Nizhny are on the rise. And one important thing about Nizhny is that they're finally all healthy. They've had the most injury troubles of all the teams we had and it wasn't just like the big injuries of one guy suffering a long time injuries just like minor injuries to key players like Dragicevic like Kendrick Perry like all the others and once coach Lukic has them all back they started clicking and they started rising they got some confidence back they're in the playoffs hunt and the VTB league so they're looking good and this is truly going to be a battle of basketball styles, not in terms of basketball philosophies on the course, but the actual styles, because do you want to see Kendrick Perry's uh, dreadlocks or do you want to see Paris Lee's, who's better <laughs> in that department? Uh, do you like uh, Ismail Bako's afro or do you think he looks more like a poor man's Marwan Fellaini? Or, and of course, for me, the clear winner in the basketball style of the two teams is Nizhny because you have coach Zoran Lukic and the white the, shoes. The white shoes. Yeah. The shoes are coming. The, the white shoes, shoes come on. Yeah. Yeah, the shoes are amazing. Um, okay, any other points from anyone? Uh, stylistically, clothing, anything else? I, I wanted to, to check something. This is not Lukic's first time in, in, in Nizhny, that's correct. And the last time they did pretty well in Europe, if I, unless I'm mistaken. Is that true? Yes, but the thing is they already played against Antwerp. Nizhny and Antwerp played last season in the qualifiers and Antwerp advanced, so they'll know about each other. Right, right. There's a bit more spice to this one than than meets the eye, maybe. Yes. Yeah, this should be a good one. And moving on to the last series, I'm very excited for this one. Broza Bamberg taking on the defending champions, Ike Athens. Dave will be there in Bamberg in Freak City for the first leg, so I'm very jealous of him. Uh, Deacon, we'll, we'll go with you first on this one, though. I think, uh, you know, looking at this Bamberg team and the keys to their success, uh, Tyrese Rice is the man who clearly jumps out 32 points in the second leg of the round of 16 against Banvit to send them through. Uh, do you think Ike have much of a shot at slowing down Tyrese Rice? And can they win this even if he does go off for 30 points in both games? Um, so the answer would be, if Tyrese Rice is in the mood, then the answer is no. But if they have a shot, even if he's in the mood, the answer is yes. You know, they, they, they're still the champions and they still got better since they you know, they're probably a better team than the team that won it last year. So it's very tough to see past Ike. Banvit are a different team since Perego took over and they're playing really, really well. But um, this Ike team is a monster. Yeah. Do you see any advantage there on the interior where we have Vince Hunter, who I think everyone agrees is the regular season MVP, going up against Cliff Alexander, Augustine Rubit, uh, two very solid big guys for Bomberg. Do you see either team as, as having a clear edge on the inside? No, but I think it's going to be a, uh, a telling area to watch. You know, both teams are big. I mean, Vince Hunter's maybe a slightly smaller five, but the rest of the Ike front line is still quite big. So, um, 
should be it should be an interesting one to watch. Uh, Dave, you're going to be there in Germany for the first leg. Uh, what are you What are you expecting to see from this matchup? You know, I'm going to wait. And, I'm going to be really anxious to see if actually Vince Hunter can play well against uh, Bumberg. Um, you look at the two games that he played against Bumberg in the group stage. He had nine and fourteen points. Two of his two of the four lowest point totals uh, in the season, and only five and two rebounds. Two and two of the three worst rebounding totals. Uh, you mentioned Ruben and Alexander. Don't forget about Elias uh, Harris. Uh, the captain has been playing phenomenal basketball like, really the last two, three months. Um, so is he really going to be able to play uh, as well as he's played against everybody else? Because he hasn't played up to a superstar level, MVP level, against Bumberg. Um, so, And I think we have to look and see whether or not Jordan Theodore is going to play. It seems like he's not going to play. Um, didn't play over the weekend. He said, you know, sitting out is, is the worst. Um, and you know, you look at Malcolm Griffith, the first 10 games without Theodore, nine points, uh, nine, almost nine points a game, eight, uh, almost nine shots. Um, and then with the six, six uh, in 25 minutes, Theodore came in, uh, had actually more more uh points in five fewer minutes nine points in five fewer minutes um in pretty much the same amount of shots so basically came off the bench and was was just much more of a scorer scorer uh his his assist numbers were down uh from 2.6 to 0.8 and uh and and now you look in the in the greek league game against kimis 28 minutes 12 points uh five assists um so if Theodore doesn't play, which it seems like he's not going to, uh, Griffin is going to be one of the main guys uh, in in, uh, in in taking taking place uh, of of that. So, you know, and one other thing, you know, you look at the um, the the free throws. You know, if this game comes down to a free throw, uh, you know, a tight game down the down the stretch on either side, Bomberg's the number one free throw. Uh, free throw shooting team in the league at 83 percent 71 percent for uh for ike so that could uh play a big role you look all you have to do is think about uh bomberg in the in the round of 16 Banvit was was 10 of 21 um and and the decide and the tie was decided by what four or five points so free throw shooting you know bomberg's going to hit their free throws yeah, that could definitely be a big factor. Igor, we'll go to you in a minute, but Deacon has to take off for a meeting. So Deacon, before you go, let's get your four final four teams uh, from the quarterfinals. Who do you think will advance? Um, okay, so I'm going to play it safe on the first one, and we're going to say Jerusalem. Um, and then I have uh, Bologna, and I'm probably going probably gonna to pick Nizhny um, and Ike, I think. Probably as a safe one, although I'm really not sure about that last one, the Ike Bam- Bamberg one. I'm really not confident on that that sort of, that pick. All right, so Deacon's got Jerusalem, Bologna, Nizhny, and Ike. That's correct. Correct. Okay, cool. So we will be sure to remind you when those predictions surely go awry. Uh, but Deacon, thank you for your time. We'll let you get off to your meeting now. Uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast this week. Thanks, guys. Catch you soon. All right, Igor, we'll throw it to you now for your thoughts on Ike versus Bamberg. These are the two teams that are 
the hottest in all of Europe actually right now because when you take in their domestic results too, you have Ike winning nine of their last ten games and their only defeat was to Pauk in a game which basically didn't matter because they still advanced in the BCL round of 16 and even though nine of ten is impressive, Bamberg have gone ten straight. So I think that's the longest winning streak of any BCL team in all competitions this this season. So currently, if I have to pick, I'm gonna go with Bamberg. But still, like you, you never underestimate the heart of a champion, like Rudy Tomljanovic said. <laughs> so hard to write off, Ike, but. Whoever wins this one and advances has a huge chance of winning the whole thing. All right, Dave. Any final points on this one? Uh, look at if you look at the two games they split. Um, Bamberg won at home, and Ike won at home. Uh, in the in the game in Athens, no Nico Cesis, no Ricky Hickman, no Bryce Taylor. Um, a combined 53 minutes from Kabulka, Olinda, and, and McDowell White. In the return leg, zero minutes for the three kids. And Hickman and Taylor combined for 45 minutes, 10 points, and two turnovers. Yeah, it's a great point. This is a different uh, different Bomberg team now that they have all of their veterans healthy. Okay, guys, uh, we heard Deacon's picks. Let's go prediction time Uh Igor, I'll throw it to you first. Who are your four final four teams? The the last matchup is really hard to pick, but given the recent form, I'm going to go with Bamberg. I already said that I have Jerusalem advancing, and I'm going to add Bologna and Antwerp to the mix. Antwerp, the young kids. Okay, Dave, over to you next. Uh, Jerusalem, I just think all the weapons were so much better. And, you know, Tenerife has those couple of, uh, you know, five to eight minute stretch where, you know, the opposing team, you know, catches up, uh, their big leads and you cannot afford any minutes of, of, you know, not concentrating against Jerusalem. Um, so I have Jerusalem. Uh, I have Bologna, although I think this is, you know, you, you know, you know, people talking about, you know, that it's, uh, maybe one of the more lopsided. I had a really tough one on, uh, trying to figure this one out. Um, cause I think the, the low post game with Treadwell and, and Gamble actually has the advantage. Uh, the point with, um, that Deacon made about the three points, uh, three point shooting percentage opposing teams, three point shooting percentage of Bologna. You know, that's something that, that, uh, that Nanterre just live and die by so much. So, uh, I, I think I'm going to go with Bologna. I got Nizni. Um, you know, Perry seems to step up in big games. Uh, he's always going to be there, uh, playmaking and defensive wise. And, and, you know, you look at Hummer's been fantastic and, and let's, let's call it the new Dragicevic has been great. And, um, four times, uh, Paris Lee shot worse in the second games, um, against teams this season of the eighth time so far. And so I, and just with, uh, the, 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 the defensive ability that, that Perry has, I think I'm going to go with that to kind of slow down, um, Paris Lee enough. And I'm gonna go with Bomberg. Um, I think, uh, I think that leadership that, uh, that, Bomberg have at the point guard position, Rice, Cesus, and Hickman. Uh, like I mentioned before, um, I think th- that that Ruben Harris-Alexander combo has, has, has done a great job on Hunter. 
Uh, and Masoulis is just not, I, for me, it doesn't seem like he's offensively consistent enough. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed watching him this season, but you know, especially if Jordan doesn't play, they're going to need some offense here and there. And I just don't know if he's offensively consistent enough. So I'm going to go with Bomberg and no, this is not because I live in Germany. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. I was, so, I was just about to confuse you, uh, accuse you of Homerism. No, so no, no. All right. So, so who you got, who are your four teams? All right, I'm going to go with Jerusalem like everyone else, so that means Tenerife will probably win. Uh, I will also take Bologna over Nanterre. I believe we're all on Bologna, so a little bit of a danger situation there as well. I'm going to take Antwerp over Nizhny. I think this one's going to be very evenly matched, but I think the the momentum that Antwerp are building, winning the Belgium Cup, uh, the confidence that they will have gained from the round of 16, taking down Morcia. I like what the young kids in Antwerp there are doing, so I'll take them to advance to the Final Four. And for the last game, I'm going to go with Ike, the defending champions. I think this is a very tough matchup against Bomberg. I could definitely see Tyrese Rice going off for 30, 35 points and, and leading Bomberg to a win but i saw ike in person last week i was very impressed with uh their ability to get baskets when they needed them just veteran presence from dusan shakota from Jonas machulis vince hunter is a monster so i'm gonna go with jerusalem bologna antwerp and ike as my four teams so none of us picked tenerife and nanter I'm switching. I'm switching. I'm going with Tenerife and Anter. Yeah. <laughs> we have to have no, 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 no. It's too late. Tenerife and Anter. Then <laughs> I, I would, I would switch to Anter. I just, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I don't, uh, I just don't uh, necessarily trust them enough. If Waters was there, maybe I could go with it. But without Waters, I don't know if I, I don't know if they can, if Singlin and 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 Co can handle um, exactly. 80, eighty minutes of that. Because because uh, Bologna doesn't turn it over. I mean, I know Nanterre really doesn't do it either, uh, but they just get after it defensively. But they don't turn the ball over, and, and Nanterre also doesn't doesn't really force steals either. So I just think that that uh, those weapons are just going to be too many. Yeah, but like if you see our picks, you'll think that we have Hapoel against Tenerife, like it's a 90 to 10 kind of ratio, when indeed it's like 51 to 49 just based on the momentum. Same goes for Nanterre and Bologna. It's much closer than being a 4 0 in the predictions. Like it's going to be 55 to 45 to Bologna. We can expect a lot of close games here. It's going to be home and away, and it, every single point counts. So. Despite all of us being on similar kind of sides, I don't think we have a clear picture of who's making it to the final four. I don't think in any of them. I don't think any, you know, you can go, you know, you don't want, you're not betting the house on any of these uh, eight teams to, to reach the final four. All right. So the, those are, uh, thank you. Thank you, Igor. Uh, we've already uh, thanked Deacon. Uh, thanks for uh, taking time out of your wonderful uh, visit to the park to talk to us about the, final uh, the matchups to get to the final four teams uh, just maybe last words you're going to be doing the the live blog uh last words about uh about uh, the quarterfinal matchups yeah i'm looking forward to it and uh this little break that we had made me all confused because i don't know what to do on tuesdays and wednesdays anymore <laughs> <laughs> when there's no bcl going on so looking forward to it and it's been a pleasure helping you guys out i get to talk about basketball that's why you call me so that's like 
The pleasure is all mine. <laughs> it was a pleasure and looking forward to the next time. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks a lot and uh, enjoy the rest of the day in the park. And uh, and uh, we'll look forward to, to, to reading your live blog uh, on, on uh, actually, I guess just Wednesday. I guess you only, you only have one day to do. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Take care. All right. Thanks again to Igor Jerkovich and Deacon Lloyd-Smith for joining us on this week's podcast. Uh, Dave, I know there was a lot of a lot of points made there, but you've got one more about something that might have a big impact on the quarterfinals. Uh, what have you got over there? Yeah, you know, I just was kind of wondering, you know, who, you know, who they're going to be, who these teams are going to be playing uh, in the, on the weekend between the quarterfinals and, um, and so Jerusalem is playing at Naria. Okay, that's not a very far uh, trip for them. Uh, Tenerife is at home against uh, Real Madrid. Bamberg is at home against Albert Berlin. So that'll be another big game. Ike is at home against Aris. Another big game. Another big game is Nanterre at home against Strasbourg. Um, Bologna will be traveling to Sardinia and play Sassari. Ses- and then you have Nizhny traveling 3,800 kilometers to play against NSA. So that is going to be uh, a pretty big trip for them. Uh, and uh, news actually coming out just before we started recording the podcast. Uh, Liege have, have actually uh, said that they will not play their game against Antwerp between the quarterfinals. Uh, to help support Antwerp in their European campaign, campaign. So Antwerp actually have the the time off between the quarterfinals. So that's just kind of a rundown on who is playing whom. A lot of big games, uh, you know, Tenerife, Real Madrid, Berlin uh, against Bamberg, Ike, Aris, Nanterre, Strasbourg. So uh, just figured I'd let let everybody know. Uh, who the final eight teams are playing uh, in the week between. Yeah, that's a great point. That could potentially have a big impact if Tenerife, for example, if some of their main guys have to go out and play 28, 30 minutes against a tough Real Madrid team and then turn around and play Jerusalem in the second leg. That could certainly have a big impact on that series. All right, Dave, any final words before we wrap this up? You know, it's it. all these are going to be tight. You know, uh, it's... You know, you might look at four and zero. Every you know, everybody's picking. Uh, everybody's picking Jerusalem. Everybody's picking Bologna. But I mean, that Bologna one was really hard for me to pick because I, I really think those Nanterre is a, is a strong team. Uh, and you know, we all have seen what what uh, Tenerife Tenerife have been able to do this season. So, you know, we might all have Bologna. We might all have Jerusalem. But that doesn't mean that that these are you know you know, rollover games, um, and that it's going to be, you know, an easy, easy ride into the final four for these teams. I I think all of these, you know, every second of these 80 minutes are going to be crucial. I think in all four of these, four of these ties and, 
And I really, I can't wait, you know, um, you know, what, 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 what kind of stands out for you, you know, as far as, you know, looking at the, uh, the matchups, um, that you're, let's say most interested in, uh, you know. Yeah. I don't expect any of these to be blowouts. Like you mentioned, you know, all of us are on Jerusalem. All of us are backing Bologna, but I don't expect those to be blowouts by any means. Uh, that Tenerife team is very strong. Nanterre, if they get Jeremy Singling going, they're capable of hanging with anybody. So, you know, we all picked those teams, but these are going to be some very dramatic games. I could see all of these series kind of going either way. So it's going to be fascinating to watch. Dave and I will be joining you again next week after the first leg of the quarter finals. Dave will be at Bomberg versus Ike. We'll have some player interviews for you uh, and we'll be recapping the quarterfinals, previewing the second leg to get you ready for that. So that's going to do it for this week's quarterfinal preview podcast. Thanks again to all of our guests, Jeff Taylor, Deacon Lloyd-Smith, and Igor Djurkovic. Make sure you go subscribe to livebasketball.tv to watch all of these games live. Download the official Champions League app, and of course, check out the official website, championsleague.basketball, to stay up to date on everything you need to know to follow the quarterfinals. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks for listening to BCL Coast to Coast. For Dave Hein over in Germany, my name is Austin Green, and we'll catch you again next week. <laughs>